0: Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday evening episode, and yes, this is indeed a Wednesday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at l o underscore penguins. A reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Thursday, tomorrow, to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way... We Talk Sports. And speaking of that, before we do get into today's show, um, yes, the locker room will be tomorrow night after the Penguins game in Boston. I was thinking about doing the, the one on Saturday, uh, but I might be doing some other stuff for work, and I'm also maybe be spending time with my girlfriend that day watching the game, so I don't really want to uh, do a locker room after that game, even though it's a 1 o'clock game. So I think I'm just going to do it uh, Thursday evening like I did last week when the Penguins beat. Um, was it the Buffalo Sabres, I think. But still, a lot to get to for today's show. have some injury updates for you all, in case you guys do not see on Penguins' Twitter or check their Facebook page or Instagram or whatnot, um, got some interesting comments from Brian Burke. We're going to get into that, and we're also going to preview the matchup against the Boston Bruins a big series against the Bruins, um, this Thursday and Saturday. They ended up coming back last night. I thought they were going to lose again to New Jersey going into that game. I think the Bruins were. 1-4 uh, in four against the Devils this season, and they were down, I think, 3-1, 4-2, something like that in the third period. They were able to come back and not only uh, take it to overtime in a shootout, but win the shootout. So big two points there for Boston as they are seven points back at Pittsburgh with four games in hand. So if they won those four games, they would be just one point ahead of Pittsburgh. If Pitt- the Penguins can just get a split um, in these two games, I think they would be uh, pretty A-OK with two more games remaining against the Ruins. Both of those will be in this role. We'll have more on that matchup coming up um, in, in a later segment. But first, let's just get to some injury talk. Um, Brandon Tanev was back at practice today. That is huge news. Most of the injury news, honestly, was good news today. Um, the only bad news, Tristan Jari likely will not be playing tomorrow and probably not on Saturday either. He was not at practice. Sullivan did confirm it is an upper body injury and that he is day-to-day. So um the good news is with that, it's not week-to-week like a Malkin's or Kasperi Kaepernick's or even uh, Teddy Bluger's. Though Bluger might be back sooner than Malkin or Kaepernick. He was also back at practice today in a no-contact jersey. So he's probably still a little bit away. But I would assume if he's already back in practice wearing no-contact, he's probably going to be cleared for contact. If everything goes well I would guess in the next few days and he'll probably be back for game action next week. I would be pretty surprised if he did not come on this road trip with the Penguins. I would assume also that Brandon Tanev will be back in the lineup on Thursday against the Ruins. So that'll be two of the top nine forwards back in action. Of course, they're still without Bluger, Kapanen, and Malkin. Still no update on Malkin and Kapanen. They're doing their off-ice rehab. I I do not think Gino has started skating just yet. But, you know, going back to the goalie thing, you know, it is good news that it's day-to-day. But, you know, we also said that about Brandon Tanev when he missed. Mysteriously missed a game, and then now he's missed the last, what, five to six games, something like that. So hopefully it's not another situation like that. I do think if it's a very short-term injury, the Penguins can get by just fine with how Casey DeSmith has played this season. I've already talked about it a lot on the podcast the last couple weeks. He's been one of the best goaltenders in the league. He's saving, I think, seven and a half goals save above expected this season. If you look at um, an underlying number with goaltending, uh, that is top 10 league-wide among all all goaltenders, and he's doing that as a backup. So I know it's a small sample size, but he has been elite this season, a completely different goalie than what we saw in 2018-2019 when he just looked small in the net, was allowing a lot of bad goals from bad angles. He's cleaned up a lot of that this season, and he has just been as consistent as ever. Um, I'm really confident in him starting, moving forward, if if Jari does have to miss a little bit more time, but obviously you want to have that rotation, um, or you know, you want to have both goalies back and playing at a high level, um, in a perfect world, but I would assume for now, like I said, it is going to be Casey DeSmith, and you can just hope that he continues to play at the high level that we've seen from early February from him. Other stuff at practice today, this is probably a little funny to talk about. I don't really bring this kind of stuff out, up that often, but Chris Letang is now sporting a mustache, and it just it looks like my mustache that I had back uh, as a 16-year-old in high school. It is something that I don't think the world needs to see anymore. He probably should just save it, shave it so we can see that beautiful flow that he has I mean, there are not many people in the world that have better hair than Crystal Tang. And yes, I just called Crystal Tang's hair gorgeous on a Locked On Penguins episode. If that brings you away from my podcast, um, I 110% understand. But, you know, going back to the actual lines for practice – I'm just trying to find them here, if I can just find them from Penn's inside scoop, excuse me. Gensel, Crosby, Russ, obviously they're not going to touch that. Zulker, McCann, Rodriguez, they're not going to touch that either until Malkin comes back. Aston Reese with Goudreau and Tanev, obviously Goudreau is a placeholder until Teddy Blueger comes back. So that is a pretty good indication that Brandon Tanev will be back for Thursday evening's game against the Boston Bruins and then the fourth line. Lafferty, Jankowski, Angelo. So we're, we, we've seen some improvement. Now with two of the five forwards back, their lines are not one good line and then three AHL lines. At least with the top line, obviously you know that's good. The second line, it's not bad on probably a lot of teams. It's a third line. Aston Reese, Goudreau, Tanev on a lot of teams, that's a fourth line. And then I know La- Lafferty, Jankowski, Angelo is probably a fourth line. Uh, well, uh, probably a first line on a lot of AHL teams, excuse me. So, they really only have one AHL line going right now. So, like I said, a lot of improvement from the last week when they were playing basically three AHL lines outside of a super line. So, those are the lines for forwards. defense. to save the same. Duhamel, Latang, Matheson, CC Pedersen, Marino. Um, that's going to continue until uh, a defense potentially gets hurt. You know what? We're going to cross our fingers that that does not happen. Um, one more thing to get to before I do get to the commercial break. I've been seeing a lot of midseason NHL awards from a lot of people. You know, Jay Fresh Hockey did his. Um, he actually had Sidney Crosby as a finalist for the Selkie Trophy. And it's like, wow. Like, I don't know why so many people that vote for this award do not have Sidney Crosby as a finalist. I'm glad that Jay Fresh does because, you know, he uses a lot of analytics to go into um, the makings of his ballots. I think he has Adam Fox winning the Norris. What in my mad? He's been an offensive force this year, excuse me. I know defensively he hasn't been the best, and his metrics aren't as great in that department. But um, he's one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, and he's only going to continue to get better. He's—I don't say this very often when it comes to rival teams, but a player like Adam Fox is going to torture the Penguins for years to come. People, Penguins fans need to start getting used to that name because of how good he already is and how good he's still going to be. But you know, getting back to my Sidney Crosby Selkie Trophy talk. Um, He's just become a complete 200-foot player around the league. I'm sure some of you all are aware that the Patrick Lone article that came out from Columbus yesterday, that they're trying to turn him into a 200-foot player. I mean, that just doesn't work for a pure sniper, a pure goal scorer like that. It works for players such as Sidney Crosby, who, you know, obviously his best asset with his game is his playmaking ability. I mean, we all know he's a great scorer, but I mean, is he on the level of Alex Ovechkin or David Posternak or, you know, even Jake Gensel? Probably not. No, but you know, his playmaking ability, like I said, is obviously the best attribute of his game. But over the years, he's really turned into one of the best defensive centers in the league. I mean, I'm not saying he rivals Sean Couturier or Patrice Bergeron or you know, even a prime Anze Kopitar, but for the work that he has done this season, he's still over a point per game and the effort that you see night in and night out making all these. Little defensive plays that sometimes you don't see on a stat sheet. Um, he just, he's been snubbed for this award, I think, the last couple of years. I think his best placement is fourth. I really think this is the year that he is a finalist for, and I really hope that a lot of the members of the PHWA reward him for his great play in both zones. And just looking at the numbers overall for Sid this season 547 minutes, his possessions around 52%, um, goals for, goals allowed 22 to 15. Um, last year, it was only 30 to 30. So obviously, he's not going to get a lot of Selkie trophy for that year. But I think in 2018 19, when he finished fourth, it was I think that was the year he actually did finish fourth. He had 82 goals for 43 against. I mean, he's not on pace to do that this season, but it's no wonder he finished fourth in the Selkie that year with how good he was defensively. His goals for percentage, 59.4%. His expected goals percentage is. 52.5% scoring chances for scoring chances allowed against 251 to 212. Last year was only 300 to 295 in the year that he finished um, fourth. I believe 653 to 510, which is just sensational. His scoring chances for percentages all comes from natural stat trick, by the way, 54.2%. And look at his high danger so far this year. He's only been on the ice for 92 high danger chances allowed against and, um, all the games he played in 41 games last year, he had 120. We've all, he's always only played in 35 this year, but he's not going to get to 120, I don't think, at the 41 um, game mark this season. And then in 2018-19, 293-207, to 207, and high-danger goals for 13-11 to 11 this year. So he is excelling, like I said, at both ends of the rink, and I will be very mad online if Sid does not... Get to be a finalist for that award. I am all aboard the train of Sid for Selkie finalists this year. I don't think he's going to win it, and I don't think he deserves to win it, but I 1,000% think that he should be a finalist for it, and if he continues to play the way that he is, especially offensively, I could see him being a dark horse for the Hart Trophy as a finalist. I don't think he'll win that. Um, you have a hard time convincing me that it's not going to be one of Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl, especially McDavid. The guy has like 62 points in 35 games, which is like, what, one point? By, almost guys, that's almost two points per game at this point. <laughs> it would not be surprised if he somehow breaks 100 points this season. No, I am not joking whatsoever when I say that. But that'll do it for this segment. I just had to get my thoughts out on that situation. Coming up in the next one, we're going to get to some comments from Brian Burke that came out earlier today. And just my thoughts on that and what kind of player they could be targeting. Another trade target for you all that I not have not really discussed On the podcast before, hint, hint, he is a Los Angeles king. So I will leave you all with that. But before we do get to the next segment, it is time to talk about, firstly... Locker Room. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations around the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to some big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and other people and even have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Penguins podcast through our Locker Room conversations. Like I said, be sure to join me tomorrow night. I'll be hosting a room probably after the game, like 9.30, 10 o'clock, something like that. You can go download the free Locker Room app right now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. They have not released something for Android just yet, but I think that is coming. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, enjoy the NHL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Hunter Hodes to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live, like I said, this week, Thursday at around 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Penguins, and see you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. We also cannot forget about the Bilt Bar March Madness Championship. And yes, I am a little mad online because Cookie Dough Chunk somehow got to the National Championship and beat Cookies and Cream. For whoever voted on Cookie Dough Chunk, you should feel ashamed of yourself. It is not nearly as good as cookies and cream. And I question a lot of these people's life choices overall with the fact that they voted for cookie dough chunk, that they'll just vote for other stupid crap. But in the other matchup we have today, mint brownie versus coconut brownie chunk. I Mint brownie should win that. And then I honestly would probably vote mint brownie to win the national championship. But like I said, cookie dough chunk not being there is a 100% total scam And, you know, you just, you hate to see it for that. But, you know, you can go to BillBurr.com or bar underscore Bill on Twitter to vote right now. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BillBurr.com. And you can check back to see who won today's match and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at L-O underscore Penguin. So, I know, I'm sure, as some of you that listen to this podcast, you've probably already seen the article that came out with Brian Burke talking to, was it Mike DeFabo or was it Matt Venzel? Excuse me, let me just double-check this real quick. It was Mike DeFabo, excuse me. So, Mike DeFabo, great story um, talking to Brian Burke. Just get his thoughts on the trade deadline. Um, Go follow him at Mike defebo on Twitter. So, this was the quote that Brian Burke, a couple of them that he said. He says, I'm a big fan of not going to a gunfight with with a knife. So... Basically, what he's saying, for those that are not aware, he he wants to bring in more toughness to the lineup, and so he wants to basically, you know, have a gun to a gunfight. So, Sully and I will have to thrash that out at some point. I agree with him in general that you should hurt a team on the scoreboard, but I also think there are times when it helps to have those types of players dressed in the lineup. Here is my sentiment. I talked about this last week. I am all for bringing a player in that is a big body, gritty, you know, hard nose, can be a bit physical, you know, maybe throws a hit up. Tom Wilson just to send a mess or something like that. I'm all fine with that as long as the player can actually play. And the thing is, there are not a lot of those players either available for trade or just in free agency that you can sign. Like, for example, Matthew Kachuk. I would love for the Penguins to go out and get someone like that. But are the Flames going to trade him despite Calgary really struggling this year? No. Absolutely not. And shout out to Jess Belmosto of Locked on Flames. Don't know how she does it watching Daryl Sutter hockey every single night. But no, they're not going to trade Matthew Kachuk because he's one of their best play drivers at 5v5 in all situations. And he's also, like I said, a hard-nosed, gritty player who can get in people's faces. So he's not, you're not going to get him. You're not going to get a player like Tom Wilson, obviously less dirty. These players are all locked up to extensions because they're great offensively, like a Blake Coleman situation too. You think Tampa's going to give a player like that up? I still don't know why New Jersey gave up a player like Blake Coleman, and they really didn't even get a lot back for him. That's the thing. I honestly think Tampa kind of fleeced them in that deal. Um, So there's a couple options out there. Um, I'm going to get to that in just a second. Um, Burke also said, I think people know how Brian Burke teams play. Yeah, Brian, they play like shit. Um, sorry, I, I I had to throw it out there just because in the last like decade, decade and a half that he's been president of hockey operations or has been a GM of the team, you know, he's president of hockey ops, I think in Calgary and then in Toronto, I think he was the GM president of hockey ops, one of the two. They've won like Two playoff series and been in the playoffs just a couple of times. I think in Calgary, when he was president of Hockey Ops, um, the Flames won one playoff series, if I want to recall correctly, and then didn't do anything after that as long as he was there uh, working with Brad Trilling. But, you know, the good part from that article was that he did say Ron is the GM. He makes the calls, he makes the final decisions, and I will support him almost no matter what. So that made me happy. Hopefully, Ron. Um, does not listen and goes out and gets a body like Milan Lucic or something like that. That's the kind of player I want the Penguins to stay away from. I'm I, this. We have, society has grown past the need to have a Milan Lucic kind of player in your, na- ma- in your lineup, excuse me, every night just taking runs at players and not contributing anything um, at either end of the ice. You just, you don't need it and I'm sure Mike Sullivan would agree. You, you all remember when Jim Rutherford went out and acquired Ryan Reeves. Mike Sullivan, you know, talked it up at the draft because, I mean, what's he going to do? Shit on his general manager? Absolutely not. I mean, basically just asking to get fired if you do that. Um, But as the season went along, he started scratching him, and then they ended up trading him not even a year later because Sullivan even admitted when the trade happened, I think Rutherford said the same thing too, he wasn't going to play in the playoffs when the team was fully healthy. So, Sullivan does not care for that kind of player and I also side with Mike Sullivan where yes it's better to hurt them on the scoreboard I said this last week in case you all did not hear as well wouldn't it be awesome if a player like Tom Wilson or someone like Brad Marchand or someone on the Islanders Matt Martin Cal Clutterbuck they take a stupid penalty it's the clinching game right they hit a player penguin player pie let's say it's Sidney Crosby and it's a five-minute major the score is tied in the third period you're up three games to two or it's game seven you score a couple of goals um On the power play, or even if it's a two minute minor and it's a stupid hit, dumb penalty by a player, and you score on that power play and you ended up winning the game with that game winning goal, you can go up to that player in the post game when you shake their hands and say, Hey man, I really appreciate you costing your team the game. Thanks for being such an idiot on the ice and trying to be physical for no apparent reason. And you can just laugh at them. That's the best medicine for combating this physicality issue. It's, they don't need any more big muscle or whatever. You know, I saw the Islanders had like 50 something hits um, on Monday night when the Penguins last played. They lost the game. Like, does anyone really care that the Islanders had 50 something hits? It didn't impede the Penguins at all. Yes, there could have been calls that went for the Penguins when it was up, to, they were up two to one, but they still won the game and they played probably their best defensive period of the season in the third period as the Islanders really only had one good 90 second zone shift. So, I mean, it didn't really do anything at all. Um, we all know Brian Burke's big thing. It's truculence, But I'm really hoping that Ron Hextall, you know, maybe he uses his analytic team um, to his advantage here. I also said this today with Wesley Euler on the afternoon drive on ESPN Pittsburgh. Um, Brian Burke is kind of that guy from Rocky 5. Have any of y'all seen the Rocky movies just from Rocky 5? there was that guy. I can't remember his character. He's trying to get Rocky and his student Tommy Gunn or whatever to fight at the end of the movie because that was, was coming down to because Rocky was training him that's the kind of person that Brian Burke is he's a promoter for this he's like a Pat uh, from the Dying Alive podcast he does suffer for KDA he KDKA, excuse me, he described it good today too. He's basically like a WWE promoter. You know, I took it a step further and said he's kind of like that promoter from the Rocky Five movie because he's just trying to get two people in the ring He's just trying to see fights and all that when there's really no need to say. And he's kind of like um, the PR voice right now sometimes for the Penguins because Ron Hextall doesn't do a lot of media. Though I will say Hextall did say on the GM show with Josh Getzoff, um he said he's looking for a big physical forward to add if he can find one for the right. Place before the deadline. You all know my thoughts on Anthony Mantha. He makes a lot of sense. He's, his underlying numbers offensively are outstanding. I've talked about that on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, you can look at his numbers on Hockey Viz, Evolving Hockey, all that. His defensive metrics are also elite. Um, another player that I think they should go after and probably will not cost a lot before we do get to the next segment, Dustin Brown. Um, he's enjoying a very Good season with the Los Angeles Kings, even if you don't even look at the underlying numbers, and I'll get to that in just a second. Um, I'm just going to his regular stats here from Hockey Reference. But 14 goals, 21 points in 31 games. It also helps that his shooting percentage this year, everyone, is almost 16%. He's a career 10% uh, shooter. Last year was his average. He shot 10%. He had 17 goals, 35 points in 66 games. The year before that, 22 goals, 28 goals. So this is a player that makes a lot of sense for the Penguins if they want to go out and get a big body. He's six foot, 210 pounds. I know he's 36 years old. His numbers have gone down a little bit um, over the years, but this is still a good player. I mean, he's only a few years removed from a 61 point season um, in 2017 18. Yes, he had 28 goals that matched his second second most um, for his career, excuse me, um, with goals. And then if you go to his underlying numbers, um, if you look at his isolated five v five impact, you know it's a minus minus 0.3 percent expected goals for for uh, Micah's chart. Last year it was a bit worse at minus 1.8, just because um, he, he finished with 17 goals in 35 points in 66 games. But this year in already 31 games, he has 14 goals, so he's still on pace to shatter that with about 25. 25- what is it, 20, 25 games to go, something like that. His defensive metrics, not the greatest, you know, plus 4.5 and expected goals allowed. Um, there's a lot of red on his chart around like the slot areas a bit to the uh, the right side of the net. It's better than it was last year, though. It was basically 6.1% expected goals for. But, you know, Brown is also a player that's playing a lot of minutes with the Kings. If the Penguins could just stick him on a third line, maybe you could honestly run a third line of Jason Zucker... And I'm just spitballing here, everyone. They could honestly run Jason Zucker, Jared McCann, and Dustin Brown, and that would be a pretty good line. Obviously, you have the Gensel Crosby, Russ line, and then on the top, on the second line, Malkin, Kapanen, and I don't know, Evan Rodriguez or something like that. Or, you know, they can just put Dustin Brown with Evgeny Malkin or something like that. But I think he works best as a third line right winger. I mean, so his underlines, they're not terrible, but that they're also not nearly as good as they used to be. I mean, speaking of that 2017-18 season, which was insanely good for Baum with that 28-goal, 61-point season, his expected goals for that year was 6.9% plus. His defensive metrics, minus 3.1. If he can somehow get back to that for the Penguins down the stretch, and I think I'm not sure. I, is, I'm wondering if he's ha- is under contract again for the next season. Let me just research that real quick here um, from Cap Friendly. So yes, he has one more year left: 2021, 20, 2022. So this makes a lot of sense for the Penguins to go after a player like Dustin Brown. And like I said, I don't really think the Kings are going to ask like for a haul for him and they they'll, they'll get something back from him but they're not going to ask for something in too insane and you know to end this segment Brian Burke did say that Ron Hextall has said he will not be trading their second round pick in 2021 for this year because you know obvious reasons they want to at least have a little bit of hope for the future and they're not going to trade the core or anything like that but he did also say that they are open for hockey deals where players get moved and not so much prospects are or pick. So, I did want to end with that before uh, going to the next segment. We're going to preview the series against the Bruins a little bit, just about a three, four-minute preview, something like that. But before we do that, it is time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, welcome back to this episode of the On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes and follow the show's Twitter at ello underscore Penguins. So yes, the Penguins do indeed, I've said it probably five million times already. They have the Boston Bruins on Thursday and then on Saturday. Um I do not believe that Tuka Rask is going to be playing for the Bruins. Let me just do a quick Google search here. I'm just trying to see if he was at practice today. Um Apparently, yeah, he remained out on Tuesday uh, from Boston Hockey Now. Apparently, they are not expecting uh, Rask back at all this week. So, they're probably going to get a lot of... They're probably going to get Yarsav Halak in both of the games. It's not a back-to-back. So, we're not going to see Darth Vader, I don't think, start for the Bruins in either one of the games. So, yes, old hero or old enemy, I should say, Yarsav Halak will likely get the two starts. And then Casey DeSmith will likely go... Um, for the Penguins and both of those as well. Obviously, with the Bruins, the big thing to stop is their super line with Brad Marchand, Bratrice Bergeron, and David Posternock. That line needs no introduction. They have one of the best goal scorers in the league. You also have one of the best two-way centers in the league. And then, of course, you have one of the best playmakers in the league and Brad Marchand. So, like I said, that line needs no introduction. David Krejci is their second-line center with Craig Smith, who, yes, the Penguins still should have signed this offseason with Nick Ritchie. Their third line, Charlie Coyle, Anders Bjork, and then I have no idea who this, Sen Senshin? Senshin? I think that's how you pronounce his name. I have no idea who he is. And then Frederick is on their fourth line with Kuhlman, and then some other player. It looks like a mega-name player. It looks like a, their version of Mark Donk. Defensively, it starts with Charlie McAvoy. Everyone that knows the league and follows at least the Bruins a little bit knows how good Charlie McAvoy is. He would be my number one um, player on my Norris ballot. I think he 100% deserves it this year with how great he has been, both offensively and defensively. He's playing with uh, Jeremy Lauzon. Matt Grizzlick is on the second pairing with Brandon Carlo. This is the thing with the Bruins. They have two good defensemen, and then the rest are just sub-replacement level. Like, Brandon Carlo, he's okay. He's nothing special. Connor Clifton's not that good. Lauzon's not that good, and Zaboral is really not that good either. So the Bruins... They they just they don't have a lot of forward depth like we're used to seeing. Like, yeah, it's good that Charlie Coyle is their third-line center. You know, Bjork's a good player. Frederick is not bad. Kuhlman's okay. But outside of that top line, you know, all, there are three other lines. I think they're mainly third lines on, like, a really good stack team. I guess maybe Nick, Richie, Craycheek, and Smith is a second line on some contending teams. But on a lot of other contending teams, I would say that, that is a team's third line. So this is definitely not you know one of the deeper bruins teams that we've seen in the past cuz obviously um the losses of Tory Krug and Dano Chara and a couple others have really hurt them but especially those two I'm not having both of those players on their back end especially Krug with how you know great he is on the power play um it's just it's really hurt them i think this year but like i said the penguins can go one and one on this split. That would be incredible. And yes everyone. This Buffalo Sabres nightmare is over. Their losing streak will officially come into an end. They have beaten the Philadelphia Flyers 6-1. They gave up two empty net goals. So I think that will be it. For the Philadelphia Flyers. You absolutely hate to see it. Um, I don't know what the Flyers are going to do the rest of the season. They're probably going to make some changes now. Losing 6-1 to to a team that lost. Was it 18-19? I think it's 19 in a row now. Um, It's pathetic, and if there isn't some changes being made there, um, don't know what's going on. But congratulations to the Sabres on breaking that 18-game winless streak. The Flyers also lost 11 of 17 games in the month of March, um, it has absolutely killed their season. It and it wasn't just goaltending as well. I know this is not the Locked On Flyers podcast, but I, you know I have to dog on them at least a little bit. You know, but just Carter Hart, you know Tristan Jari will always be better than him. I will die on that hill for the rest of my life. And but just watching the Flyers, they looked dead inside um, for a lot of their games, and you know they're definitely not going to make the playoffs at least in my opinion. But I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening for the month of March. um, The listenership went up 31.6%. Thank you all so much for taking 28, 30 minutes, sometimes even less than that, out of your day to listen to me blabber about this team with all my freezing cold takes and all my mishaps of just stuttering and everything like that. I really do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, whether this is your first episode or you've been listening for all 255, what, however many episodes I have done, like I said, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I intend to crush April. Hopefully we can get potentially um, plus 50% viewership or higher. But the podcast is in great hands right now. And I, you know, this is, it's only going to go up from here. You know, I'm not going to settle for anything less than that, But for the next episode, it's either going to be after the game tomorrow or it's going to be on Friday to recap the game against the Bruins. Remember, I will have the locker room after the game tomorrow, so come chat with me on the locker room app on any of your iOS devices. So uh, that's all for this one, and I'll talk to you all um, in a day or so.